Good morning. My name is Stephen Riley. It's a privilege to be lead pastor here. And uh, we've uh, been having some beautiful weather. Now the rain is back. Oh, me, oh, my. Here we go. Going to have some more rain in the fall. But uh, it's been beautiful outside. I hope you've been enjoying that. I want to, uh, before I get into the message today, and it's gonna, it will be uh, related to um, uh, blessing Israel and praying for Israel. Uh, it's entitled, What's Next? And so many things have been happening in our world lately so fast. And we're, we're all wondering, oh Lord, is this the end times? And is this uh, is something in prophesied in the Bible that is predicted in the Bible? Something, something's going to happen next. What could it be? And I'm going to address that, not necessarily answer it, <laughs> because it is, uh, there's a mystery in all of it as well. But I'm going to get in that in a moment. I want to first uh, speak to you about uh, November, uh, because November is a, uh, a time set aside really for us to get before the Lord in a unique way, because we are celebrating our 40th year uh, anniversary as a church, that God started Living Waters in 1981, and God has blessed us and sustained us for 40 years, but yet... We, and this is really the focus, and I, as, as I've been continuing to pray over this, God keeps reminding me this, he really wants to empower us for the next 40 years. And that's what this is about in, in uh, these uh, three Sundays, November 7th, November 14th, and November 21st, is all about. And uh, because I have been a part of this church in the 90s, and now I've been back for eight years, and so I've been here for over 20 years, and I can get into the past and celebrate and enjoy it and get old pictures out and laugh and tell stories. But God is saying, I want to empower you in this transition time. There's something happening in the Spirit to prepare us for the next 40 years. And as an eldership team, Philip Whitehead, Fred Bates, and myself, of course, we've been praying as far as the spiritual leaders of this church and the spiritual vision of the church. We do that continually, but here at this juncture particularly. Uh, and we had some things that we were working on right before the pandemic, the pandemic hit. But the God has refocused uh, us as elders, and then we've spent a couple of board meetings really digging into this more deeper, uh, where we have our elders and deacons together. And we have really a sense of God's clear direction uh, into our, the vision of 2022. And that is that we, we are, as a church, are going to focus on young families like we haven't before in a long time. And God is wanting to launch a new family ministry at Living Waters that is going to be so fruitful, effective, encouraging. It's just going to, in each generation and each transitional life, it's just going to be so edifying and encouraging. And we want to specifically focus these next few months on, uh, on raising money, and that's what we'll do. And in November will be a, a fundraising season, and November 21st, we're going to have a big banquet in, in the fellowship hall, and that'll be our, our time to release to God into his kingdom an investment into our student ministry, specifically for a, a student minister compensation package that we can go pursue and find God's person uh, to lead our student ministry. Do you realize this? Some of you don't, but it's been four years since we've had a specified, appointed, God-set-apart leader developing our student ministry. It's been four years. And we're feeling that each year as it goes on, and we believe that the time is now to make a change, to lead out, and to focus on investing in student ministry and leadership. And, uh, and I mean time is now so much that even all of us, I want to ask you, to, before the Lord, ask the question, God, what can I do to encourage and build up young people at Living Waters and in my community? Because I'm asking the same thing, and this afternoon, I'm going to hang out with our young people. And we're going to go to Marimba's, one of the only restaurants that has a back room, and we're going to eat 
a good Mexican back there, and I have several things that I'm going to build them up as young adults, and I hope they leave today feeling stronger, and that's why we're calling this little gathering, and hopefully some more after uh, later on, called You Are Strong. And so the time is now, and I'm really asking you just to be open and be creative. What can I, in, in my life, in my place in life, my age and station in life, whatever, what can I do to encourage younger people? So I'm going to ask you right now to just begin releasing faith and join with me. But yes, board members, we agree with you, elders, that our focus is to launch a new family ministry and that God is going to provide uh, resources to develop our student ministry. Can you agree with me on that? Let's pray over that right now. We're going to pray over it every Sunday here as we uh, uh, develop this. Lord Jesus, it is your scripture mandate to pass on your gospel to the next generation. And Lord, that's what we want to do obediently, fruitfully, and effectively at Living Waters and around us in our community. So we're asking, Lord God, in this uh, leadership decision uh, led by your spirit, Lord God, to, to really focus, Lord God, on new family ministry, specifically, Lord God, student ministry, Lord God, at this time, we pray, Lord God, that you will uh, answer and you will provide and we will see your divine connections bring about uh, a church family and a church team, Lord God, to impact young people for the gospel in a powerful, powerful way. Lord, we ask these things in the, uh, the one that we trust in, the one who's head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for letting me uh, spill the beans. I've been excited. I've been wanting to tell you. And here we are. Looking forward to it. So what's next? And in the image on the title slide, I have a picture of uh, the Middle East. Because when you study the Bible and you look at not just the book of Revelation, but Daniel and other places, it's about Israel and the nations around it, the Middle East. And so this is a question I think even people who who don't know the Bible, people who don't study the Bible, people who don't even believe, I think they're asking the question, what in the world is going on and what's going to happen next? Because it's been so unpredictable, it's our lives have changed so drastically in the last year and a half that we all are kind of in a place where maybe there's more surprises coming up that affect us globally, internationally, and we want to be uh, have our ears open to the Word of God. One of the positions that we have as a church here, again, this is part of our vision. Uh, it was birthed out of Joel and Carol League many years ago, is that we do have a heart, like the Bible teaches, to stand with Israel. We're not saying that Israel is perfect, their government is perfect. We're not saying that. But we are agreeing with God and His Word that he has a plan for Israel and the Jewish people, that he's bringing them to salvation through Jesus Christ like never before. And there really is a divide in the earth where do you stand for Israel or not. I mean, just look around. There is, this is uh, an issue that's been happening in the world for centuries now. And we as a church leadership and church body says, yes, we want to bless Israel. One of the verses you heard uh, David Rock already mentioned as Psalm 122. And it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. So Lord, that's the blessing back to us. That God will prosper us for those who love you and bless Israel. May the peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And the word peace there is, as David said, is shalom. That the shalom of God, that is not just a emotional feeling of peace, but actually the blessing on relationship. The blessings of uh, prosperity and health uh, come from shalom. But let me take you back to Genesis chapter three, uh, 12, excuse me, uh, where at this chapter we see how God started the nation of Israel. And when he actually started the nation of Israel, he put blessings on them for us. 
And I want you to see this. So in verse 1 of Genesis 12, we learn that there's this guy named Abram. And he lived in the land of Ur, and he was with his family. And God somehow revealed to him, and this is very unique because in that day, they believed that uh, God was many gods of the land and of the sea and the trees and this different harvest and things. And no, but this was, he heard there was one God spoke to him and said, get up and leave your people and, and go and I'm going to show you a land, a place that I'm going to uh, start a nation through you. Let's read verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 12. It says, God is speaking to Abram, and he says, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So when God started this nation, he started with a man and his wife, and his name was changed to Abraham as he made covenant with God. Uh, and it's a miracle story, you know, because they were old when they had their own child. Uh, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. That was a miracle baby. And out of their descendants started this nation of Israel. That's how God chose to start this nation. But in the very beginning, he said, I'm going to bless you Uh, bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. And so anti-Semitism, those who are against Jews and have this racial uh, uh, distaste in in either in attitude or in around the earth or in in actually, uh, 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 you know, doing actions against the Jews and anti-Semitism, God, they're automatically putting judgment on themselves from God because they're cursing uh, this nation that God set up to bring blessings on the earth. Now, when I do this, uh, this question, what's next, it's for good reason. Because the Bible is a prophetic book. The Bible is, predicts things of the future. And, and I'm just going to give you, uh, you know, seven of the biggies. Uh, there's more than seven, of course, but I'm just some of the biggies out there. Like, number one, uh, the Bible prophesied that Abraham would be a father of a great nation and that, he, that, that that nation would bless the world. And so that happened. What ha- we just read in Jesus 12, Genesis 12 happened, and they became a nation that where we got the word of God and the Savior came to, plus in the modern-day Israel, the inventions for health care and for agriculture that come out of Israel bless the whole world. And in ingenuity and finances and other things, there are so many ways that Israel has blessed the world. So that's one prophecy that's been fulfilled right out of Genesis 12. We just read it. Also, the Bible uh, prophesied, number two, that, that God would judge as a nation uh, Israel and they would be, uh, Babylon would overtake them and exile them out of their own land. And it was because Israel didn't stay true to their God and following him. And he warned them, I'm going to judge, I'm going to send you out of your land. You're going to be overtaken by the Babylonians. And it happened in 857 BC. Then there were more prophecies that said you would be in exile out of the land for 70 years. And sure enough, number three, the Bible prophesied that 70 years later, many would return, and they did 70 years later. The Bible prophesied in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, which we read as the Old Testament Scriptures, that the Savior would be born from a virgin in a town of Nazareth. That actually happened, and you see Scriptures put together, and it makes, wow, they, that helped them to identify this is the Messiah, Also, that the Savior would would suffer and be crucified and resurrected. Also, then number six, that Jerusalem would be destroyed and overtaken again. And that did happen by the Romans in A.D. 70. And then it said, and there's there's about 27% of the current Bible that still has not been fulfilled yet. That's There's still scripture saying that there's more to come about. In Daniel and Book of Revelation, for example, and 
one of those, one of the things that, that already has happened is that God would bring the Jews back to their land. And, and you know, that just seemed, that just never happened in, in the world before. In the, in the knowledge of human beings, that's never happened where a nation was overrun and dispelled all over uh, uh, the, the world. In fact, in, uh, in AD 70, when they were scattered for the Christian Jews, which most of the church were Jewish people, that's where the church was born. They were all Jewish people. All the apostles are Jewish, right? There's not, that they were all, all the Bible was from the Hebrew scripture. We have all the New Testament's written by Jewish people, leaders that God shows. But God's, that judgment on Israel scattered the Jewish Christians and it helped spread the, uh, the gospel around the world. And help get that, get it out of Israel and into more and more nations. Not just the Apostle Paul taking these missionary journeys that he was doing. But what happened to the, the other Jews who didn't believe in the Messiah? They were scattered and created communities all over the world in Europe. And great persecution came in the form of the Holocaust. And other anti-Semitic persecutions and that was their season of, of judgment. Great, you know, horrifying was the Holocaust. And God said in his scriptures that they would be brought back. And, and it was kind of hard to believe that this has never happened in the history of the world, known world, that a nation could come back again and start again. And sure enough, in 1948, God would, uh, brought back the Jews to the land and those borders were borders. Those land was reflecting back to what God gave them uh, to Abraham and promised to Abraham. And immediately when 1948 happened and the United Nations uh, uh, developed this with the British mandate, the British had control over it and the British mandate released it and the United Nations had, yes, this land can be yours, Israel, immediately they were attacked by Arab nations around them. They defended their borders and more. In 1967, they had to do it again. 1973, they've really been in numerous wars since 1948, but they've had to defend their borders. And there's been a constant pressure on them from the world to divide the land and give it to others who, uh, uh, the Palestinians there, and that can get complicated, and we're not going to get into complications of that. So that was just 1948. That's not that long ago. These wars that they've had to protect their borders are, are in our many of our lifetimes. So what's next? So we have to remember that when you read the Bible and what happens next in these 27% of the Bible that's not fulfilled, it's all around Israel and those Middle Eastern uh, nations uh, around that region. So you can't have an end times in the Bible without Israel being a nation. And so they are a nation now, and so we can effectively say that according to the Bible, we are in the end times. Now, the Bible didn't tell us uh, well, that means you have 50 years before Jesus come back or 100 or 150. There's no number. In fact, it, the Bible is clear. You won't know the day or the hour where Jesus will come back. That Jesus is even awaiting that date and moment from his father. And so it's not known. You can't figure it out. The spirit of God is not going to tell you and give you some date something that you want to always remember well okay all right i got got some short going on here and in, in uh, the microphone perhaps sorry about that or was it this no it wasn't that okay let's try this again sit down again okay all right so here's the scripture for you matthew 24 and yes, we're in a series of Matthew. I'm not really sticking on it today, but there are several scriptures we're going to look at in Matthew where Jesus is talking, Matthew 24, verse 32 through 35. And it's, it's about the parable of the fig tree. And 
the Jews listening to that scripture that day knew that in part of uh, Hebrew scriptures and a tradition that, that the fig tree is one of the symbols of the nation of Israel. Verse 23 says, now, now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so we do have this sense that there is a nearness. God wants us to have a sense of nearness of the end times. Now, if you're like me, that when I heard preaching like this, when I was uh, either um, uh, probably a, 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 you know older teenager, 18, 19, early 20s, and um, I was like, Lord, I don't want you to come soon. I'm not even married yet. I want to have a family. I want to live. Don't come soon. Don't come. Let me live. Now I'm 55. I've got children and grandchildren, you know. So I'm like, hey, Jesus, come on back anytime. (laughs) And so our age and our station of life, I mean, it does affect these things, doesn't it? Where our heart is in this. And that's okay. But there's one thing for sure that God's ways are good. He's a good God. He's all-knowing. He's got perfect wisdom. All his ways are perfect. All of his ways can be trusted in. He is worthy to be trusted. He can be trusted. And so even when we in our little finite mind can't fully understand it, we can trust him. Now, I'm going to ask another question here, not just what's next, a general question, but another one that says this. Why is the United States of America not prominent or clearly mentioned as a a key figure in the end-time scriptures of the Bible? Uh, You know, there are a lot of good uh, end-time biblical teachers out there, and I, I catch some here in pieces of this, and try to follow. I do not follow this real carefully. It is so expansive. It's so interesting. It does draw you in. It is just fascinating because so many things are happening globally today, and you think, hey, maybe it's this scripture or that scripture. It's an incredible study. It really takes, you know, months, years and months to study and get a grasp of it, and I'm going to hit on uh, some general concepts today, but um, I don't can't and, and, and just don't have the time as I do other ministry to follow it uh, really carefully. But there is a, a little bit of a debate. Well, now maybe there's at least a in Ezekiel 38 and a spot in Revelation where there's a symbol of the United States of America. So maybe we do have uh, are still in existing and having some kind of played influence. But pretty much most everybody agrees there's not a a big and key role like we do today. Like we do today, we are a superpower in the earth. We are a key player in the Middle East. We, are, we have an ally, Israel. We're one of uh, Israel's only uh, you know, primary allies, and we help uh, them try to guard their borders and keep their land safe. And without us, they are in a totally different ball game without the United States. And so... Why is, you could just say it this way, why it doesn't look like we don't have the prominent role like we do today in the Middle East when you read these scriptures of the end times. And there's no script that, that says, this is why, boom, 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 boom. But it makes you think, it makes you wonder, and, and, and so I don't think it's conclusive, but let's just throw out some possibilities out there. Is there some kind of decline coming to the United States economy, their military, and their, their influence in the earth. That there is a decline, that militarily we're not, uh, you know, we don't go overseas. Perhaps there's a choice by our government to disengage from international affairs or from the Middle East, and they, we might still be existing just fine, but there is a choice not to engage. And so we're not involved in this these conflicts in the end times. 
perhaps uh, some might say that there is a potential for a nuclear war to cripple the United States, and the decline could come from that. There are, and I looked this up from a a uh, government-sponsored source, that there are 13,500 nuclear warheads in the in the world, in nine countries. Uh, uh, Russia has the most at 6,375. The United States has the next most, 5,800, and that's most of them. But there's nine countries that have it. North Korea has 30 to 40. China has 320. Iran is trying to get one as fast as they can and bolster their uh, uh, weaponry as to where they can threaten uh, their target would be Israel first and then also the United States. So could uh, that be a possibility? There are definitely rumors of wars in the end times, and in the Middle East we know there, there are many that happen continually. Or how about this? The rapture happens. How about there is a revival in the United States, and so you take our 332 million people uh, and, and supposedly 30 million of us, according to Barna survey just a few years ago, uh, of uh, 30 million adults who really are saying, I'm, I'm born again. I've asked Jesus to come to my heart. I believe in the Bible. I'm serving him all the, the best I can all the days. There's 30 million, and let's, there, there's a revival, and that number jumps up to twice that much or more. And so you take, uh, you know, a big portion of the 332 million American citizens and rapture us up where we suddenly leave and meet Jesus in the air uh, to meet with him and go to heaven. And what does that do to a nation? And frankly, as one of these teachers said, in some nations, it's not going to devastate them. There's such few, such a small percentage of, of uh, believers that they're not going to have a, a total, you know, uh, like some kind of economic collapse. I hope that changes. I hope and I believe that there is, God wants a world harvest revival in the world. And so whenever that rapture happens, that it is going to be noticeable in every country across every continent in, in, in the name of Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about the rapture. Let me give you a little bit. There that was again. Wow. It must be one of these spots on my microphone. So I won't use the bench anymore. That seems to set it off. Oh, hey. Gosh. All right, if it does again, you're going to bring me a handheld, okay? Or I'll grab one of these down here. All right, so what, what is this rapture thing, uh, Pastor, that you're mentioning? Uh, I don't know if I'm following that. Uh, could, you, could you give me some, um, some insight on that? Well, Matthew 24, back to the book of Matthew again, verse 40 and 41, there's this catching away, this, this sudden disappearance. Verse 40 and 41 says, Then there will be two men in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and one will be left. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And so there's here a, a good couple of the main scriptures, but there's other that talk about the, us being really escaped and rescued from this earth and become part of an eternal army in heaven. And there's a, ba- a debate of when is this uh, rapture going to happen? Could that be the thing that happens next? Well, there's different views on that. Uh, and it relates to the tribulation. Tribulation, Pastor, what are you talking? What is that? What's a tribulation? Well, 
Uh, unfortunately, it sounds like it is. It's a tribulation. It's a seven-year tribulation where that's when God, again, we trust him that he is good and he has perfect wisdom, is bringing uh, worldwide-type judgments on the earth where there is great suffering and great loss. And um, again, it's, we, we have to trust God that when he's even doing judgments, he is working leading and hopefully will lead people to salvation that this will get your attention don't play games anymore that he is those of us who already know the lord in salvation these judgments refine us and purify us and we get closer to him we grow in an intimacy and a love to where we find ourselves enraptured and totally fulfilled by his love and nothing else that nothing in this world can fulfill. And that's what he wants it now. And sometimes we need a little suffering just to remind us what's really important in the world. That he's the only thing that truly fulfills his love and his love throwing, flowing through us in relationships. And so here's one of the scriptures about the tribulation again in Matthew 24, verse 24. One says, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And so I just want to do a quick review of some of the different uh, uh, viewpoints about when this rapture happens. I've got a chart up here. You can find uh, kind of bigger and better charts with more detail. I'll just let uh, do this real quick. Um, that there's uh, kind of a traditional timeline uh, of... Uh, well, the tribulation, uh, the, I mean, excuse me, the rapture happens pre-trib, before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or the post-tribulation. You've got these uh, four blocks of dark black lines. The first one is the church age. Is that the church age is when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, sent his Holy Spirit, and the church started. And that's in the book of Acts. And since then, until the rapture, it's the church age. And then there, at somewhere in there, there's a seven-year period of tribulation. And then the millennium, where Jesus reigns from Jerusalem over the whole earth. And then the last judgment, and there's an eternal order set up. So when does the rapture happen? There's different views, and I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I have studied these views and others, and I've uh, 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 seen the teachers that... Um, believe differently here and i'll follow them where they get their scriptures and i go that make that makes sense i can see why they say that oh that makes sense i can see and so i can see where people come up with these different views they're believers in christ and i'm i am not one that says hey this is where i'm at and i really hope you're there because if you're not you're really wrong and i fear for no i don't and we as leadership of living waters, we don't want to go there where we set up a particular end-time teaching as the church's doctrine. You've got to believe that to become a member, to be a leader, or whatever. No, you and I may disagree on this in, in many forms and fashions, but if Jesus Christ is Lord in your heart, we are brothers and sisters, and we can walk, we can live, we can minister together. And this is important, folks, because I want to tell you, that because of the end times tension and pressure we're feeling throughout the earth, the, we're all studying it that much more, and the devil wants to bring division to the body of Christ for any reason. Even division through his scripture that, no, you should believe pre-trib, no, you should believe post-trib, no, you're this. And now we start dividing the family of God over end time possibilities, and, and yet there, there's thousands of hundreds of scriptures related to it it's hard to come down to a, a, a it's really come down to we trust god we trust the father for every day of our life no matter what happens today no matter what happens tomorrow jesus you're my lord and savior i hold on to you in fact lord i know i am better because of what you're doing in the earth i'm not gonna uh, judge you and your decisions and what you do lord just refine me i want to be more like you so let's resist a spirit of division when we, our passions, and our passions good, have them, go with it, study it, but when our passions start now pointing fingers and, and distancing ourselves in relationship. Do you see what I'm saying? 
Hey, it can happen over a vaccination, no vaccinations, political reasons. This is, I mean, you name it. We've been bombarded for demonic reasons to divide the body of Christ. So back to the chart here. These, this yellow arrow going down is the, uh, uh, the question of when is the rapture? So if it comes before the tribulation starts, that's called pre-tribulation. There's uh, scriptures that point to perhaps it's in the middle at the three and a half year mark. Uh, and then what they call the great tribulation is the second three and a half years, mid-trib or post-trib, where the uh, uh, rapture happens at the end of the tribulation and then the millennium where Jesus reigns from Jerusalem as a perfect king. The earth is changing in so many ways. I read a, a, a serious study on this that uh, just this week that democracy is on the decline in the earth. That dictatorships, uh, social, from socialism, socialist countries, communist countries, dictatorships are on the rise in, in, in the world right now. And that means that that things can happen quickly, things can happen fast. I want to point you now to a couple of possibilities of what could happen next. Already we covered something could happen in the United States in the way we disengage or beco- don't become influential, or uh, the rapture could happen, happen next, or uh, there could be wars, and there's different scriptures that talk about wars. David Rakin, which is someone who's well-studied, I always respect, respect his positions and, and look at him as someone to understand and that may not necessarily agree with everything he teaches, but he is such a scholar and so has such integrity before God. But he gets the question a lot. Uh, so is what's happening right now in the Middle East, is this, is this going to be the battle of Armageddon any day now? And we have from movies and so forth this uh, you know, massive war called the Battle of Armageddon, and it is referred to in Scripture. It's actually not called that. It's just called that God will bring his enemies to the valley of Megiddo or, or the Jezreel, which is uh, Megiddo is, is the, uh, the name, the Hebrew name, and there's a, a fortress called Megiddo right on the edge of this valley. And uh, in this, this long, flat valley, and I want to take you there. It's amazing. I've been to Israel four times, and every time I'm in Israel, that's one of the spots I got to see. And they have this lookout on the edge of this valley. And it's, it's just, you go, well, this would be perfect for a battle spot if you were going to choose one. There's hills on both sides. It's flat. You can, it's just as far as the eyes can see. It kind of stretches diagonally across uh, the northern part of Israel. And the reason that I've been there, because Haifa is has been one of our key spots that we go uh, to minister and to serve and bless. And it's just a short drive. Haifa is right next to Mount Carmel, uh, where we have um, invested uh, time and resources there. And, and it even makes it a little spookier because there is a, um, an Air Force, an IDF Israel Defense Force airstrip from this lookout. And from the haze, you can't really see it too well but you can hear the jets fly by occasionally and they're going and they have this small strip where they land and then they have uh a bunkers where they underground where these fighter jets go and and are stored and so forth so folks i'll just unfortunately say this there are enemies in the earth Israel's had to learn from day one when they, back in 1948, became a nation again that they have enemies that want them dead and annihilated. And we have found from 9-11 that there are Islamic terrorists that want Americans dead. And so we do live in a world, unfortunately, that uh, is, has evil in it and has, looks at you as an enemy. I wish that wasn't true. But I'm glad we serve the Lord Jesus who is perfect in his judgments and he's a God of justice that says, 
terrorism on innocent people is wrong and evil that says sex trafficking of women and uh, child abuse of children and these uh, addictions that are ruining people's lives and in, in ruining relationships and breaking up families. There's evil out there and God's going to stop it. He's going to end it with his justice. It'd be great just to, oh, let's just be merciful. Well, mercy, mercy if you don't change in, in this season of mercy, you be, get worse and more evil. At some point, God's going to stop the evil on the earth, and he's going to come back on a white horse with us as the church following him, and he's going to end all evil that's standing against him, and he's going to start his reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And when he does that, and what he does in the earth is perfect judgment. It is, it's, got, it's purifying his church, and he's trying to get people's attention to turn to him. And then he's going to, the season of mercy will end, and his judgment will come. So in the uh, book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, there is a, um, a war referenced in this chapter. Feel free to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a few verses. And it's uh, one that people are tending to go to more often right now. And it says this in verse 14. Therefore prophesy, son of man, and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God. So this is called the Gog and Magog war. Thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel are living securely, will you not know it? You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses in a great assembly and a mighty army, and you will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am sanctified through you before their eyes, O Gog. And what happens is, as you read it, that it's God's hooking and bringing these uh, armies of enemies against God and Israel, and he calls an earthquake to defeat them. Israel's armies don't win this war. It's God brings earthquake, earthquakes and other national, uh, natural phenomena to defeat this enemy. The reason that this is looked to often these days is because of this collecting uh, from remote parts of the north an enemy. And Russia is to the north. Afghanistan is off uh, to the northeast and other places where with the rise of Islamic extremism that we're seeing now out of Afghanistan and the potential there, this rise of dictatorship and the rise of Russian interests in Israel, that it is looking more and more likely that this could happen sooner than later. I was listening to Amir Tashfadi, I don't know how to say his last name. Amir is in last name is T S A R F A T I, and he's from Israel, and he's been studying these things for many years. And he says, being a Middle Eastern person, he says, what happened if Afghanistan does embolden the Islamic terrorists? They think, look what we did. Look what this superpower, uh, how we defeated them, how they are weak now. They don't care now. And, it's, and, and so the potential of more attacks is, is they're motivated and they feel uh, emboldened to do so. It's also causing uh, some fears in Taiwan. As I talked to Sean Ellis, our good friend and missionary there a couple weeks ago. He said there's always been this concern or fear of what China will do whenever they decide to do it over their nation to try to take control uh, of Taiwan. But because of what happened to Afghanistan, the Taiwanese people are wondering, would the United States come to our aid or would China just have uh, freedom to just come and take over us? And sure enough, as they tend to do, but they had, I think it was, a dozen flying jets over there, uh, the, the no-fly zone area of Taiwan just this past week, and it was alarming to many people. But Dr. Reagan uh, says there's another possibility here before this Ezekiel 38 because he said 
uh, there's another war spoken about in Psalm 83. And because this Ezekiel 38 war is of nations that are uh, not very close along the borders, it's farther north and farther away, not right there on the borders, but in Psalm 83, the nations listed there. And I'll be honest, when you read this, it's not uh, modern names. And so, you know, I read it, I'm going, what's that? Who is that? Who are these people? You know, so it's really hard to study this on your own. You need to have uh, teachers you trust to follow you on this. But in Psalm 83, verses 4 and 5, it says, They have said, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation, speaking to Israel, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind against you. They make a covenant. And they list the nations there, and these are nations that are, that are very close to Israel. So he's, he believes that there will be a war first where Israel will have a, a winning uh, effect on these uh, close uh, neighbors, and therefore it'll be the next war will be Ezekiel 38 after that, where the nations that are farther away will come down. But uh, David Reagan has an article, uh, and he lists nine different biblical prophesized wars left to happen. And the eighth one is the Battle of Armageddon. So you ask me, Stephen, so, uh, or I ask us, what's next, God? And I've studied it, over, you know, at times in different parts of my life, and I don't know what's next. There are possibilities. There are possibilities there could be a USA disengagement from the Middle East or a decline. Uh, there could be a, um, in some form or fashion. There could be the rapture. There could be alliances increasing in the north that would lead up in maybe little wars to uh, this Ezekiel 38 war. But there's one thing we want to do is we want as a nation to continue to be a blessing to Israel. And as we close, I'm going to ask, ask us to pray for several ministries in Israel. And I'll show some of those ministries there. Um, I want to, want to encourage you to bless Israel in your prayers and financially. If you need some guidance on good ministries to give to, here's some. But there's others that I could guide you to. Uh, those of us who've been there. I've been to Israel four times and hope to go more, hope to take you. They're still on much of a lockdown right now, so that planning that is really not very uh, fruitful right now. But this church has been standing with Israel, and for 12 years through uh, the early 2000s, Tom and Eloise O'Neill and family lived in Haifa, to serve a church there, Mount Carmel Assembly in Haifa. And we're still in close communication. Uh, the pastors there, Danny and Luann Syag, and uh, we're still in close communication with Tom and Eloise because they have in their heart, at some point, God's going to get them back into ministry to the Jews and to Israel. And we want to know what that is so we can uh, bless that ministry and, and what they're doing. But we need to also be sure to pray for our nation that we continue to bless Israel. Twice, um, uh, or President Biden and Blinken have both mentioned a two-state Israel, meaning to divide the land uh, of Israel. And in Joel 3.2, it says, God says, I'm going to judge those who scatter my people and divide my land. We want to be on the side of God and His Word. And unfortunately, there is anti-Semitism growing in our government right now. You've seen it. I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's some secretive thing. It's all in different articles of different news uh, ways. But back in May, when Israel was, uh, had unprovoked missile attacks from Gaza, from the Hamas terrorists, uh, there were the progressive Democrats, the far-left Democrats, 
that, that I don't even see them as de- Democrats. They're not even Democrats. They're so far left, they're out of the Democratic Party, in my view. And they are consistently against Israel. They're AOC, Alexandra Ocasio, um, which are not her last name, I'm forgetting. Cortez, she posted on her Twitter saying that this was, we should not support Israel in defending themselves because they uh, abuse human rights. And she called them an apartheid state. An apartheid state, I looked it up, is a legal term in international law that says that you illegally oppress people of different races and conditions, whatever it is, and it's an international crime. And thank God there were Democrats, Jewish mostly, that stood against uh, her and the progressives at that time in May and said, this is not what Israel is. You are wrong by saying that. Well, just last week in the big spending bill that uh, the House has voted on on the September 21st, the progressively successfully got out funding for the dome, the Iron Dome in Israel that we've been part of for years and helping them defend themselves from their enemies. And they took that money out on, on September 21st. The outrage came back strong. And on the 23rd, when it was voted on by the House, it was back in there. And AOC was pictured again by different news. This is not just conservative news. Was seen crying because she voted just present, not against. And they think in order to please her New York Jewish constituents that trying to buddy up to, that she was crying either because the funding did not go through. I mean, excuse me, the funding did go through to support the Iron Dome or because she didn't clearly vote against it and she voted present. And they were all f- trying to figure out why is she so undone here. So I'm just warning you that in our government, there's anti-Semitic leadership trying to uh, attack Israel from our government. And we want the blessings of God uh, on our nation. We want the blessing of God on our nation. We do not want to curse Israel and call them something they're not and accuse them for something they haven't done. But one thing is for sure. You and I serve the victor, Jesus Christ. And in this feeling of uncertain times, our Lord Jesus is not uncertain. He is ready to obey his Father. He is ready, and the angels' armies are ready to enact the perfect uh, uh, end-time situations and judgments on the earth that are actually holy. They're pure. They're good for the church. They're good for you and me. And they are trying to wake up to bring a last-chance harvest to those who continue uh, to, to do evil and come against the Lord. Even in judgment, God has his mercy flowing. I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray for uh, these ministries. I'm going to go over them real quick and then we're going to pray for them. You always saw the picture of Mount Carmel Assembly of God, uh, Assembly in Haifa, Israel. Uh, That's the church that the O'Neills served, and we've been there many times, gotten to know their key leadership staff and have blessed them and prayed over them Uh, one ministry that comes out of the church is Emma's Goodies we support them out of our Israel Missions Fund every month Uh, uh, Emma's Goodies her name is Renee Shmuel she is a bold woman amazing God's opened doors for her I've been with her on her trip to help her get goodies literally goodies cookies and and fruit snacks and soda pops, loads whatever vehicle she has to the brim and goes to little army bases. Army bases aren't far away. They're a half hour here, an hour there. They're scattered all over the nation of Israel. And she's even gotten into top secret locations that people don't even know about in order to just bless them, give them hugs. And uh, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, to be there to encourage them. It's an incredible, unique, one-of-a-kind ministry. We support them on a regular basis. Another ministry report is Jerry and Karen Ellard. They're ambassadors to Israel. 
Uh, they lived in Jerusalem for seven years, were part of a prayer ministry there in Jerusalem. Uh, they, visa issues and all that kind of stuff, are not able to go back at this time. But they, wherever they go pray and lead prayer and intercession and so forth, they are always including Israel. Right now they're in Washington, D.C. right now praying over the Supreme Court. Uh, that's, a, that's kind of a new ministry, a new area that they're getting some close connections there to get uh, and pray effectively uh, with, all right, Lord, he's, he's saying he liked that. He liked, you got to pray. And I believe, is it not? Is it over um, uh, Roe versus, versus Wade is what they are dealing with right now uh, in the Supreme Court. Lord God, let's pray in a moment. Another, another um, one we want to pray for is Martin and Sharon. Mallory and their website, they don't talk about their trips. Uh, Joel and Carol introduced them to Israel and the connections there in Haifa especially, but also in Jerusalem of Kings. Their ministry has grown to leaders in counseling and uh, prayer ministry and, and, and shepherding and pastoring and counseling people. But now uh, he's also doing trips in the Middle East, and I'm not going to say where because he doesn't really say uh, in a public settings. Uh, details about those trips, but it's uh, definitely locations that impact Israel, locations that impact the end times, and uh, they're very, very bold there. So let's pray. Father, there's so many good ministries to be a part of, but Lord, you've connected us specifically with these four and more, but these four this morning, we are lifting up. And Lord, we believe that you are the sustainer of Mount Carmel Assembly in Haifa, that you, through uh, 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 the Davis, David Davis and Karen Davis started that church, and it has such a powerful ministry through the nation and the world and their staff. Lord, provide for them. Increase them, Lord God. Father, protect them, Lord Jesus. Father, uh, we pray for more souls to be saved and discipled, Lord Jesus. We pray for, uh, they, they, they do every service in like three languages, Lord God. The diversity theirs is amazing with Arab and Hebrew and Druze, Lord God. Father, we pray for uh, more salvations of the one new man, Lord God. Let them be an example to the world that racism does not have a part with the gospel. And Lord, that your gospel breaks down all racism, Lord Jesus, and brings us into one family. Lord God, bless the leadership there. Danny and um, uh, Luann Syag. Lord, we pray for Renee with Ema's goodies. Provide for her. Give her strength, Lord God. Give her connections, Lord Jesus. Lord, open new doors for her, Lord God. Father, we pray for salvations in her ministry. Lord, thank you, Lord God, that you are more than enough for Renee and her husband, Gidon, Lord God. We pray that you provide for them, Lord God. Give them peace and harmony in their home, and they know the shalom of God. Lord, we pray that that ministry grows, and that they have other resources and teams as well, Lord God. Father, we thank you for what Jerry and Karen are doing right now in Washington, D.C. With that thunder, we take that as a sign that you want us to agree with you, that you are working through them and with those intercessors there, that, Lord, you're going to break through in truth in, uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., in Supreme Court, Lord God, to protect our, the unborn, to protect them, Lord God, to make a way, Lord Jesus, for them uh, and to bless the mothers and who care those babies, to bless them, to open ways to bring healing and wholeness to them, Lord Jesus, and to the, to the fathers, Lord God, as well. Father, we pray for you to work not only in D.C. in the Supreme Court, but throughout our land, Lord, to protect the unborn, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for adoptions to grow. We pray, Lord, for women to choose to have babies, Lord God. Uh, and, uh, and Lord, that, that people in the church would come around them to help them. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you empower the elders and provide for them in all of this ministry in D.C. and their other ministries. Uh, that they have in intercession of prayer for Israel. Lord, we thank you for Martin and Sharon Mallory who have provided counseling for so many of us. We're so grateful. What an awesome, uh, awesome couple, Lord Jesus. We're so grateful. Lord, give them favor in these trips to Israel in the Middle East. Will God open doors for them, Lord God. Father, may they be effective. Lord, may they have more than enough, Lord. Lord, we pray not only for protection, but Lord, we pray, Lord God, for power to do good, 
to bring healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to end today with the ironic blessing that God instituted to bless His people. That was uh, back in ancient Israel and throughout this uh, uh, today in this modern world. So thank you, Lord, for having blessings no matter what's going on. Lord, we live for such a time as this. You wanted us here in the earth. And so we believe this blessing is for us this day. And it really doesn't matter what happens culturally, what happens in our nation or the world. You are bigger than all of that, Lord God. You are worthy to be trusted. You're, you're the one that can bless us. And so, Lord, we receive your blessing today. Oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Everything as it really ought to be. Nothing missing and nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval for you. For in Christ Jesus, you are approved. May you walk under the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. So Lord, we walk in shalom today. Lord, it's, it's a miracle. How can we walk in shalom in peace when those around us are, are panicking and living in anxiety. Lord, because you are Lord and you said you've overcome the world. Take heart. Yes, there are trials and tribulations in life, but you said take heart because I have overcome the world. So we receive that blessing. Oh Lord, we receive it. We, we walk, we want to walk in it. We believe we can walk in that shalom this week.